Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second interview on the NARSA podcast. I'm Gary Gillen. I'm your host for today, and I am delighted, more than delighted, to be joined by a man who is as influential to podcasting as Steve Jobs was to everything Apple. A man who was as important to the movement of from mainstream media to fan media as Mark Zuckerberg was to the revolution that we now know as Facebook and social media. A man as who is as inspirational to Rangers fan content production as the Beatles were to popular music. And the reason that I know all of this is that's exactly what he told me to say just before we started recording. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast founder, Mr. David Edgar. David, thank you very much for joining NASA today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm a bit, I was a bit taken aback by that intro. I wondered where you were going with it. <laughs> to be honest, I thought, I don't know, there's got to be a sting in the tail somewhere. So uh, I, I, was, I was almost grateful when the slap on the dish arrived at the end of it. But uh, yes, it's very nice. Very nice to get uh, the opportunity to, to talk to everyone, and uh, obviously I've been hoping to get over to see you the past couple of years, but this bloody yeah. pandemic got in the way. Oh, I know, exactly. And speaking of the, the pandemic, how has COVID altered your life and, and your work life in terms of the podcasting? Um, I think that the main thing for me is that, I, I, I you know this because you we're friends is that I, I don't really have a very active social life to begin with but you know like everybody else it's you miss certain things that you don't get to do anymore you you miss the the experience of, of being with your mates and that was a big thing we would do as a group is get together and have a chat about what we were going to do record stuff together as opposed to virtually um uh, so so there's that element the other thing is is maybe a wee bit less uh, easy to to qualify, but it's it's important. I think is that we've become much more aware of how important the the website is for people, just to provide a wee bit of normality and stability. I, and a lot of people who are maybe on their own that being you know on the website because we were very much a community rather than just you know we put this out, you listen. People, that's why we've always had the. The, the opportunity for people who want to do podcasts to come on and do it, you know, it's always been about that community vibe. And and lots of our listeners have got in touch, you know, to say that they really, you know, it provides 2.30 everyday outcomes, the update, you know, six o'clock on a Thursday, this show. And and having that is, is helping them with a routine and, and it's making them feel connected uh, to, to other people, because that I think is something that's been huge. I know that we look at the the, the effects of this terrible uh, this terrible disease that's that's going about, but I think even for people who maybe haven't been directly touched by it, certainly I know personally, your mental health is yeah. it can take a real battering, and and I don't think that's something that really gets enough attention. So it's a very small part we play in it but it's it, it makes you aware of the responsibility you have so just little things like we can't skip the show because people are waiting on it and it doesn't matter if it's one person that's waiting on it it's it's got to go out because that person might be having a really bad day and they're looking forward to this and we're not going to let them down so that's probably been the, the you know the biggest thing for us yeah, definitely. And I think I think possibly there's a wee bit of a downplay on the importance. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a big, big 
reliance and and, and leaning on on the content that's coming out by whom it's delivered by and, and things like that. You know, I know certainly even here, seven hours behind the UK, it's a it's a regular part of of my routine as well. And I'm you know mentally, I think, very healthy and, and happy and and managing to survive this fairly well at my side. But even then, it's still a staple part of my day and, and a need and a want and a desire to be able to, to have that content, you know, to be part of that community and hear the information that everyone else is hearing. Yeah, I think that we've, again, one of the things that we didn't really realise when we started was the international community and guys, you know, in North America, Canada, and then Australia, and further afield, you know, Botswana, one of our listeners lives in. And it's about helping people to stay connected to Rangers in that way and to, you know, what's going on back at home, what are people talking about? Mm. And now it, that it was always there in terms of the international audience, I think, occurs even in, in the domestic one. And it's the same way. I've been very, very fortunate to, to go to the games this season. I go and I report on it. And while, you know, you'll always get people who are, you know, just <laughs> good stuck into you for it, basically, and I understand yeah. that because like, ah, yeah, jammy so and so. A yeah. big part of that is, is I really feel that there's a responsibility to communicate to people what's going on and just wee things like recording in the ground so that yeah. they can hear, you know, the noises of the stadium and stuff, and and just just to say to people that look, you know, I I, I know that you can't come here at the moment, and I don't I, I don't take it lightly. That that's something I think that that I, I always stress to people that I never ever think oh, yeah, I'm getting to games each one is a real privilege to, to, to be at right now going through this and I, I, there's a bit of me that thinks you know I'm, I'm kind of representing others here when yeah. I come through the door and that's that's been very much again at the the kind of forefront of my thoughts yeah no, that's that's terrific so as I was doing my research just to make sure that I was prepared for the interview, I did the obligatory Wikipedia search to try and get some poignant and fun facts on you. And I realised that, in fact, you don't actually have a Wikipedia page yet. What's, what's that all about? I don't really see the point of us having a Wikipedia page. I don't think that... I just don't see it as being really us. I, I always think of Wikipedia as being for, you know, important things. So I, I think that, you know... <laughs> Me and my pals talking about football probably doesn't fit into that, but this, you know, this, the the story of it, uh, I think, is uh, you know we find it interesting, but whether other people would or not. But no, it's never been something I've had a particular desire to to have. It it, it might sound odd because of you know what I do, and you know I do podcast and I release them and. You know, clearly, if you're doing that, you're sharing your thoughts with people and asking them to listen to them and doing videos from the game and everything. That you are wanting to, you, you do want people to pay attention to you. So there's no getting away from the fact that anyone who who makes social media posts, you know, there's a wee bit of attention seeking in it. That's why we do it. But yeah. at the same time, and you know this about me, I'm actually quite a shy and quite private yeah. person. I'm I'm fine. You know, you can hand me a microphone and tell me to go and stand in front of a thousand people and entertain them, and I'll do it quite happily. But if you have like a one-on-one -on -one with me on a train, I'll be quite awkward and kind of <laughs> shuffly and looking at my shoes. And I don't know what it is, but it's just part of my personality. So, um, so when people say things like, "Hey, do you want to do a Wikipedia?" Well, no, nah, not really. You know, so yeah. why would why would anybody be interested? Like when you said to me to interview you for this, my first question was, "Well, why?" 
And, I, yeah. you know, and, and initially I thought somebody must have let him down and he needs a replacement quickly. But then you said it's later, it's later in the week. And I was like, all right, OK. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you know, a very cool thing that, that we've done to get to talk about it. And, you know, certainly happy to, to share it. But it's, yeah, it, I, it's just me. I, I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I think people meet me um, and they're expecting me to be, you know, like I maybe I'm on air. And then I think I'm a bit of a disappointment to them because <laughs> I'm, I'm quite, you know, quite just a reasonably quiet guy to to go in and and I think that that sometimes they're like, you know, you you lack confident when you're up on the stage. And I was like, yeah, but I'm imagining you all naked. That's <laughs> probably it. But it seems rude to do it one on one. I hear you. I hear you. So just as an introduction uh, to get into the content of the interview, can you just give us a wee bit of background about yourself, your history as a Rangers fan, and including, I'm, I'm really interested in the journey that you took that manifested itself into your tenure with the, the Rangers Supporters Trust. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, well, as I say, I, I'm from Cowinning originally, um, and if you grow up here, you're a Rangers fan. That's just it, right? It's the... Um, this is the still a weird thing to me when people will say, "Oh, my pal's a Celtic fan," and I'm like, "Oh, you know," and and not I'm not being judgy. It's just not doing here. <laughs> you know, it, just, <laughs> it, it does it doesn't happen. You just don't meet people. Everybody just supports Rangers, and and it's sort of always been in my life because of that. Like early memories, I remember very. I've got very very early memories. I'd be about four of watching the. The Scottish Cup final between Rangers and Dundee United um, in 1981. So there's always been that. It's just always been there and always been a part of my life. And then got taken to my first game 1986 uh, against Dundee United. And it, it probably wouldn't surprise you. You know, I was quite a kind of precocious wee kid and kind of the, the type of kid that I don't like, you know, <laughs> one of the annoying, <laughs> mighty ones that sits and wants to talk to the adults. But um, I was always really just, yeah, I love football. Um, I'll watch any game that's on the telly, you know, Icelandic second division. I'm like, yes, great. Um, that's, so I've always been like that. And I've always been very interested in the history of the game and the history of my club and everything. So, yeah, it, it went from it went from there, and then it was it was just for me it was the, the one thing that that stuck throughout any different phases of my life. You know, being a wee boy and obsessed with it, and then you're a teenager and you start to, you know, you start to notice that girls have got these things on their chest, and you start to you know <laughs> listen to music, and you start to get you know other temptations that that are put in front of you. And your relationship, you know, like, I was a monster of a teenager, a lovely wee boy, but a terrible teenager. But the one place that I could still, you know, go and almost have a, and be normal, and it was was Ibrox, you know, it was still something that throughout that me and my dad always had. We could be yeah. rowing like hell in the house. My fault, incidentally, I'm at the age now where I realise my parents were right. But, uh, mm -hmm. and, and to anyone listening to this who's young, they are, trust me, just, just shut up, not they are, they're right, okay? Your mum and dad are right. <laughs> And I could still go to Ibrox though and be, you know, we, we, we still had that, that never changed. And then it's just always been there. Relationships have come and gone, jobs come and go, you move about around the country. But Ibrox has always been this one constant staple in my life. And 
for the trust thing, basically what happened was it really grew out of follow follow. Um, the website more than the fanzine. But in the, the late 90s, like, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I submitted a few articles to, to Mark Dingwall Follow Follow, and he, he published them. And the magazine was very influential on me at the time. There was a lot of stuff in it that I was reading that I was like, yes, I agree with this, you know, and, and stuff like that began to chime with me. So from that, the website kicked off uh, 1999, I think, Follow Follow the Message Board first started up. And at first, there was probably only about 50 or 60 of us on it. They were all different age groups, all different types. And from that sprung, you know, meetups and uh, nights out and whatnot, and you got to know people. And because it was guys who were all, if you like, sort of engaged in the, what you might call the activist side of it, that, yeah, I, I sort of get drawn into that a wee bit. And then, when the trust first started, I was at the meeting when it started, but I, I didn't join up because I wanted to see, you know, I wasn't quite on the same page as them then. <clears throat> but events, you know, under Murray sort of pushed it. And then I, they asked me one day, look, look, would you join up on the board? And I said, sure, you know, basically just to, genuinely for like the first year, just to hand out leaflets and stuff, you know. Like, mm. And at RST dances, will you, you know, stand on the door and take the ticket? It was just to help out. But then the press side of it, um, they needed somebody to do it. And uh, as Mark said to me, you know, you're a mouthy wee shite, you can do it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, which I was back then. And uh, yeah, and, and from there, you know, everything that happened, happened, you know, the... the the difficulty we had back then is that we knew that where Murray was taking the club was not going to be a good place. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to warn everybody, including you know, Murray himself, that this was happening. Um, and it just, you know, people didn't want to hear it. And I understand that because it wasn't any good news. And I don't think anybody, Christ, I didn't anticipate how bad it would get. Uh, I never thought that we'd end up where we would end up. So did that for a few years, and then it, it's pretty wearing when you're doing that. that that's something I'd, I'd say to anybody that um, I know it's a bit uh, annoying when you've got this, you know, unelected guy. Uh, well, unelected by you, but he seems to have been made the the kind of de facto fans chief. I always hated that term, you know, fans chief, because if I'd been, you know, we did a big vote on it and stuff, but. You know, it, it, it is annoying when you've got this this person who's there and he's constantly, you know, giving his opinion. And so I got fed up with me at the end up. You know, I, I was fed <laughs> up with it. Never mind how it must have been for, for other people who were non-trust members. So when it finished in 2010, as you know, guys, I, I, I don't drink. Um, I'm a recovered yeah. alcoholic. And when all that you know, when that came to a head and I got sober and everything, I had a total kind of lifestyle change. I changed careers. I changed my life around. And I said to them at the trust, look, I'm going to step down because this isn't good for me, you know, doing this, you know, frigging, you know, threat through the post and emails and stuff and, you know, abusive phone calls. So um, I decided to step down. And then when I did, I that's when I thought I'll start the podcast. And the reason for that was purely because... One, I heard other club podcasts and I thought, they're really good. Somebody should do something like that for us. Mm-hmm. And then it was a mate of mine said, well, you do it then. Rather than moan about 
there, there isn't one. Get off your butt. You, you've spent five years telling people, you know, don't expect other people to do something for you, which was true at the, at the trust. We'd say join up and help, you know, rather than just say, or oh, someday should do something about this, you know, you, you be part of the change. So he said, so rather than you saying this would be, go and do it. And we started heart and hand. And the big thing at the start was about what I wanted it to be is the way that we are portrayed, and you'll know this in Scotland, and especially in the media, is that Rangers fans are very po-faced and we're very miserable types. And, you know, it, it's the old Calvinist stereotype, whereas yeah. Celtic fans are all, you know, witty, arty, you know, up for a bit of the crack, that sort of thing. And I know yeah. that that's bollocks, right? And I yeah. know that was just complete utter rubbish. That, you know, Rangers fans were funny and going. I loved going to the games and sitting on the buses and talking to my pals and being in the away end and the patter was fantastic. So I just wanted yeah. to, to, to kind of show, if you like, see that that stereotype about us, it's not true. And this is more what we're really like. And I think that that was why people sort of caught on to it quickly because yeah. we didn't really have it and we still don't have a massive voice in the, the traditional media. They don't really want us. You know, they don't want Rangers fans and Rangers viewpoints in the media. It's not how it's been slanted for the past 15, 20 years. Yeah. So that was it. We just decided, well, do you know what? If you're not going to do for us what we want, we'll do it ourselves. Exactly. So just before we go into the, the podcast stuff, I just had a couple of quick questions on the, the, the trust stuff. What would you consider to be the biggest success or the thing you're most proud of through your tenure with the trust? See, the problem was that at my time at the trust, we failed on the main thing, which was to try and stop the, the slide, you know, yeah. into the financial abyss. And we didn't manage it because we didn't persuade people. And looking back, a big part of that was me, you know, and I, and I, I it's something I'd approach myself for because I was too abrasive. I didn't understand. You know what it's like when you're in your, yeah, I was in my mid-twenties. I, I thought I was God, you know, and, and because I was, I, I felt I was right. I thought that was enough, you know, that way. It's like, I have yeah. a cause. And, and when you're like that, you're a zealot and people don't like zealots because they're annoying. And, <laughs> You, you know, I was, I was very much like, look, this is all happening. And people would say, well, actually, I don't agree. And rather than try to persuade them, I would shout at them. Right. And that never, that never works. And I think we see it more in the world now, actually, sadly, that people, they don't listen to other people and they would just, you know, just shout and expect people. Nobody's going to change their mind because you tell them they're stupid. <laughs> Which yeah. I learned much, much too late, unfortunately. Um, I think you know we did a lot of good stuff in terms of local charities. We did a lot of stuff in terms of recognition for ex-players. I'm, I'm very, very proud of the the Sam English Trophy that was donated by the trust, which goes to the top scorer every year. Yeah, and I think it was important to, to kind of bring Sam English back into to Rangers history. And I think the other thing we did was that we showed people that you can organise and galvanise and, and be a part of something. Um, because I think Rangers fans up to that point maybe thought that was more of a Celtic thing, you know, that what well, they do that, uh, you know, we don't protest and we don't get annoyed. That That's them. Yeah. And I think that, that we sort of demonstrated actually, no, that, that's not the case. And I think that that kind of opened the door a wee bit for things like Rangers First and um, for things like, you know, the Fighting Fund and all of the things that followed since and maybe even Club 1872 is 
a sort of direct descendant of the supporters yeah. trust and i think that we were the first um organization to do that but we made a lot and, and me personally made a lot of mistakes things we did wrong things we did really well i mean you know we built the membership up at one point to over i think about fifteen thousand, and yeah. a lot of that was you know down to like i could physically point to appearances i'd made in the radio and there'd be a spike in membership the next day yeah but again you know the big error that i made is that i <sighs> there comes a point where you need to stop pre That, rather than going out and you need to be patient and you need to show people what your case is um and i don't think up until it was too late that i did that uh and that that's a regret yeah that, that was actually going to be my second question was was there anything that you look back on and you think uh you know that was a miss i think you know just in, in oh, terms of definitely getting out your definitely. own way to a point yes that's a brilliant description of it that it was just this as i say that you know young and and you know full of passion and in my case drink um and you think that you're you know you think that everything you say is 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 golden at that age and then i realize now looking back that what i had to do, and i probably still wouldn't have succeeded by the way because this is the the other thing that people didn't want to hear it it wasn't a very you know sexy message to be honest and you you can't ever really kick on the club people will default to back in the club right understandably uh yeah. that people will default to back in the club because that's who they support and if you've got in my case if you've got this wee guy that you don't know who's very loud and, and a bit annoying telling you that the club's headed to disaster and then you've got david murray who you've known for years he's a chairman of rangers who you who you like and you want to like and he's telling you actually no he's lying everything's okay of course yeah. you're gonna believe him of course yeah. you are and, and what what i should have done was demonstrate and say well look you know here are the finances and look at the you know this is what's happened in terms of players being sold and stuff whereas i think that i mean i remember one time walter smith said after we played st johnson in the league cup semi things are are going to get worse the the bank is running the club and people think it's we're going to get to summer and be okay it's not going to be okay that that's a quote that's what walter said mm. and the next day people were saying ah, i wonder what he means there you know he's, he's sending a message and i'm like no he means that we're you know <laughs> the f word yeah and it was yeah. and and it was it was that i couldn't get my head around you know i i was like he said, that's literally Walter Smith is telling you yeah. that this is the case. But I realise now that that because I was so invested in it, for a lot of people, that they quite rightly, football fans shouldn't have to care about balance sheets. Shouldn't have to care about the crap we've had to care about for the past exactly. 15 years. And exactly. I think that it's like everything, but, you know, at the time I had the energy, Gary, now, now I think I might have the insight, but uh, you don't get one at the same time as the other. And back yeah. then I, I had the energy to go all day and, and, you know, argue my case, but I didn't have the brains. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Excellent. That, that's, terrific. that's terrific. Thanks very much for that. So back, back to the podcast. So during, during my time, listening to the podcast, which dates back to, uh, you know, before the, the convention here in Calgary in 2018. So about four or, four or so years 
the podcast has evolved significantly into more of a formal business uh, while still keeping its core roots as Rangers-related content for, for the most part. There are other things there, of course, as well. So can you tell us just a wee bit about the, if it's okay to call them this, like the heart and hand founding fathers and how you've managed to grow the team and content delivery without losing the quality, the camaraderie, the, you know, the, just the genuine staunchness of, of where it started <laughs> from? Yeah, when it started, it was initially me and my pals. So that made it, because I wanted it to sound like a conversation in, you know, the Neptune Social Club. And yeah. it literally was just the guys I'd be sitting talking to in the nepi. So there was that. Um, and then, you know, it grew over the years. But again, it was always people I was friendly with that, that, that were on it. Mm. So when it started, um, you know, we had me and Big Scott and, and Mark and uh, Hoggy and Cammy and, and just all guys I knew from, you know, from really from the trust and everything. I remember I went back to, to FF and one of the things about that was out of that came, you know, Hoggy was one of the founders of the Blue Order, Cammy was on the trust board and did the, the Club Deck Loyal and, and so it was all these guys who'd all done a bit of fan activism but had kind of moved on and you know, we, 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 we plugged away, you know, through the, through the lower league years a lot of it was having a laugh because if we didn't laugh we would cry, you know definitely um, so I, I I knew that if people were coming on to listen to us for 45 minutes after having, you know, literally, what, three news stories a day for three years that just sucked the life right out of you as a Rangers fan, the last thing we needed was me, you know, with a, oh, God, it's all going to, um, it's all going to hell. The other thing about it was you mentioned staunchness, and, and that, you know, we have a laugh and a joke about it, but one of the things was, is we were never ever going to be on our knees and we were never ever going to do and we still won't we'll never do this is what i call the arsenal fan tv thing which is come laugh at our pain which is you can do big big numbers doing that because you get fans of other clubs that will come and listen to you if you have a breakdown on air or if you have you know a meltdown and 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 it's really funny for people uh, who don't support Rangers who don't like Rangers, I'll never do that. You know, I'll, I'll shut it down before that happens. And that was always something we were very conscious of. You know, we were very proud of who we were and, and what we were. And we wanted that to come across as well. When we moved, we decided, or I decided, that we would move it to pay, you know, as well as keep doing the free ones. We'll always do the free ones. You know, it will never, ever just be subscription only. But you know, people. I could see that the way podcasts had evolved, that people, you know, would maybe be interested in this. That that we could do a wee bit more. And I had ideas for things like history shows and and you know I, I, the daily update, um, which is the the biggest show that we do. Is an idea I've had since I was a wee boy, which was, wouldn't it be great if there was just a show every day that was all the Rangers news, yeah. and that you know, and and twenty minutes. Just this is what's in the papers. This is what people are talking about. These are the rumours. No, you know we don't want it. We're not Sky Sports News. We don't want to break stories or anything like that. That's not what we do. Um, but just if you like, almost a compendium of of that. And that was that. That was an idea. So decided that we would do that. And again, you know, people have said 
you know, or you charge for it so you make money off it. And I was like, well, yeah, I do, but, you know, we do a lot of work on it. I mean, it is yeah. a full-time job. And I don't quite, I'd love to be able to do it for nothing, but I, I can't. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not possible. So it, it, the idea was if we get a thousand people, you know, paying two pounds a month, then I'd save my money and I'd, I'd kind of, you know, I, I'm not rich, but I'd, I'm in an all right position, basically, if, you know, to, to, to work. Uh, my plan was when I when I left my last job, I took a voluntary redundancy from my last job, and my plan was to do this and then do some contracting as well every so often, you know, um, yeah. and, and try and relax a wee bit because I've got some, some health issues. So it was about managing that as well. And um, it just exploded and straight away it was bigger than we ever imagined it to be. So where it then came to in terms of getting other people in, like I said earlier, I knew Rangers fans were talented. And I also knew that the pathway to the media for them wasn't open. Mm. So my my sort of idea was that there's all these amazing people and stories out there that aren't getting heard, and that's not fair. So what we always did want to do, and we said this right at the start, was if you've got an idea for a show, but you don't know how to do it, then come to us, because I, you know, I can show you how to do it. That's not yeah. a problem. And the other thing about it is, is we can sort of lend you our audience, which is, you know, you can do the pod on our site for a couple of months. Um, people will get to know you and that will give you a wee bit of a helping hand. So it was almost like the idea at first was to be an incubator. And mm. what I thought would happen is people would come, they would do a show with us for, for a few months and then they would go off on their own. And the eventual plan is that people never need to listen to, you know, the, the biased anti-Rangers media that they yeah. could get their news from the club and they could get their, you know, their, their analysis and their entertainment from fan media. And that was the plan. But then what happened is, is that people, the people that came stayed because I think they saw that what we were capable of doing together was bigger than what we were capable of doing apart, which is yeah. always the way with the Rangers support, I think. And that, that was what happened. So in terms of making sure, though, I make people who are in the group socialise, I make them you know, be in WhatsApp groups and talk to each mm -hmm. other. Because otherwise, they're not going to sound like they know each other when they, they come to do shows. They're not going to sound like those relationships. They're not going to sound like they're pals. Um, yeah. And that was that was never the idea. But again, what we've always done is keep the door open. I was talking to, it's funny you say that, I was talking to a fella last night because um, I always want to make sure we've got representation from as many different areas of the support as possible. And we've got nobody from Northern Ireland because the last Northern Irish pundit um, uh, buggered off to become the head of comms at Rangers. <laughs> yeah. So it left a, a Northern Irish uh, hole uh, in, our, in our, our schedule. And so I've been speaking to a guy um, who, who got in touch and he said, you know, look, you know, you, you need a voice from Ulster, I'm, I'm your man. I'm like, perfect, great, you know, let's let's talk, let's see what your ideas are. And they've got to be good, don't get me wrong. I mean, if people are kind of, you know, they're not entertaining or have nothing to say, then I'm not going to put them on here just to be nice. You know, people are, at the end of the day, we keep the cost very low. I mean, you can get on Heartman for 50p a week um, yeah. and there will always be a low price point for it. And, you know, even throughout the pandemic, what we've said to people is that, if you lose your job 
or <laughs> your hours are cut or whatever, tell us and we'll we'll make it free till you're back your feet. Now that's not going to change their lives, but it it might help a tiny tiny wee bit throughout it because I've been unemployed and I know what it's like when you're sitting in the house, you know, wondering uh, something to break up your day is yeah. is useful, and. That's what we'll continue to do. It'll never be a closed shop. It'll never be, ah, it's just us, you know, and, and screw everybody else. And um, I do think that we're a gang, but I think we're a gang of, you know, 30 podders and 5,000 plus um, listeners. That's that's what we do. And the free one, again, you know, it, it does very well. It, it, you know, in a good week gets over 100,000 people listening to it. Uh, and that's fantastic and if people are kind enough to, to you know give us an hour of, of their week to listen to us then that's great and, and that might be enough for them but for those who do want a wee bit more then the i want to always make sure that there's a cheap alternative to because i don't listen to scottish media and i miss the scottish media gary i used to see in the 90s i used to love you know, Radio Scotland and then, you know, the phone-ins and yeah. buying my daily record and my son and my Herald. I used to love all that and I'm sad that that doesn't exist for us anymore. Yeah. But we can do <laughs> about it or we can do something about it and that's what Heart and Hand is. Yeah, exactly that. So for anybody that wants a wee bit more information that maybe doesn't know about Heart and Hand right now, encourage them to visit heartandhand.co.uk and, and get information from there. Absolutely. Um, like I say, you know, if you, you know, you, you, you search anywhere, you get podcasts, wherever you get your regular podcast, um, you just go to uh, search for Heart and Hand and, and the free one, there's two a week um, that, that deal mainly with, you know, the games and analysis and stuff like that. They'll be there. But if you want, you know, the, the, on, on the site, we've got tons of other stuff. We do historical shows where we'll go back and we'll look at, for example, we've done... Um, at this stage now, it must be up to about 200 hours, This these, these series of shows where it's every single match um, and month that Dick Advocat was in charge, every single yeah. month that Big Eck was in charge, every single month, sadly, that Paul LeGrand was in charge. And now <laughs> we're, kind of, we're midway through Walter's second spell, and that comes out once a week, and we'll go through other games. Um, we've got you know, people that look at players from the past, etc. We've got special games that we'll look at. We've got you know a lot of current affairs stuff so as i say daily news show we do a post match from the game i report from the games this season we do um tactical breakdowns where we've got a, a professional coach who'll break it down from a tactical point of view and then we've got a lot the other thing and this is probably the funnest thing that happened in my time doing it is people started to ask us to talk about other stuff and i was like really and they were like yeah you know you're entertaining and sometimes we need a break from football so we do shows on TV and music and cinema and you know wrestling and just anything at all that that people yeah. might be vaguely interested in. And I think it's fun. I think you know the the biggest thing I would say about the Patreon site is a retention rate is something like ninety percent, which means that you know once people come, they stay. And yeah. I think that that's probably the biggest testament. To, to what you get. You get a lot. Uh, we've actually had people leave because they said there's too much content, which strikes me as odd because yeah. I'm just like, you, you don't need to listen to all I don't. <laughs> um, so yeah. you don't need to, but I, I want it to be like a staunch Netflix where, yeah. yeah, there might be five shows in a day. You might only be interested in one of them, but there'll be something 
there. Right, great if you want to listen to all five, but you might only want to listen to one of them, and that's cool. So long as you get something for your money, then yeah. I'm happy. So that's yeah. what there'll be podders you love, and there'll be podders you don't like, and you can avoid them. And that's again, that's the idea that you can go and listen to it as and when at your leisure, and that's you know the the idea, and and hopefully we'll continue to grow and and push. Um, because I think that you know we are having an impact now on the traditional media in Scotland, um, and they don't like it. But you know they messed it up for themselves, so yeah. no, no guilt from that. And I think that the thing is, you know, that if you listen to us, if we criticise the team, it's because we're hurting them, we're feeling it because we're Rangers yeah. fans. If we tell you something, it's because we believe it because we're Rangers fans. And I don't think any other. Or I don't think I mean I think other fan media do that, but I don't think any other traditional media can offer you that. Um, and some of them don't even try. Yeah, agreed. That's actually a great segue into the fan media piece. And you'd mentioned it briefly earlier today. They're just talking about the the press status that you managed to enjoy to get to see some of the games and evolve the the content evolve the the real timeness of the, the content from the matches and, and things like that so in terms of you know i know how you feel about stevie g and i can't imagine what it must have been like the first time you got to ask him a, a question at one of the press conferences but how how did that come about and and are you enjoying it yeah i i never wanted that i didn't want us to take mm you know press passes and stuff like that for years and i spoke often enough about it and one of the reasons i spoke often enough about it was i thought well i'm committing myself to it now so i even if i change my mind we can't do it so mm. um and then what happened was that club 1872 actually pressed the club to to allow a, a few fan media organizations in and i went back to the boys and girls and, and heart hand and said look should we do this and they're like, yeah, yeah, do it. And I was like, nah, I don't want it. It doesn't feel right. We're not doing it. Right? You have democracy in action. Yeah. And then it was one of them actually <laughs> put it to me that they said, uh, oh, we're very democratic and heart in the hand, so long as it's what I wanted us to do. Well, we are, we are not, we are, we are top down democracy. Can I put it that way? Um, <laughs> I, I, I listen, I listen to them, and then I make my mind. What is it, Brian Clough said? Um, we have a chat, and then I tell them why I'm right. Um, that's, that's, that's but I, I, one of them said to me a very good point they said David is this based on your relationship with Rangers right now or your old relationship with Rangers which was very adversarial you know I'd, I'd grown up really not liking you know the, the, arguing with the board and then you know obviously it was the Spivs and God yeah. you, know, to, you know everybody hated them and what they said was look you do have people paying for this. This is a service you can offer that you are choosing not to offer. And I kind of hummed and hawed and then I thought, and, you know, and again, David, one of our podders, now works for Rangers, so there was a relationship there anyway. And I thought, give it a try. What I was worried about was that they would try to, I don't want anything from the club. I never did. And again, because I've grown up in that area, you know, people used to say to me, oh, you, you just want a job with Rangers. I'm like, what, by going out and slagging David Murray? How do you think that's likely to get me a job with Rangers? Right? Um, so you, you'll always get that, you know, oh, blazer chaser and oh, you just want this and yeah. you just want that. 
And it's generally people projecting onto you. You know, it's not anything you've done. and It's hurtful, but there's nothing you can do about it. I've learned to live with it over the years. Um, you, know, you think you're Mr. Rangers. No, mate, I don't, but you clearly do. Uh, <laughs> don't, 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 don't project your insecurity onto me. Um, but it's just human nature. And, and as I say, you learn to live with it. But, um, yeah, I thought I'll give it a try and, and see what happens with it. My worry was that they'll expect something that they... They have they've now got something to take away from me. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah. was always my worry that Rangers would come and say, "Well, you know, we we need you to say this, or we expect you to say that." And and they genuinely don't. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this week as we're recording this, Gary, Rangers were I thought abysmal against Hamilton on Sunday, and we recorded a show immediately after the game, and I was raging, <laughs> right, given the way yeah. the game had ended. And, you know, we, we criticised the team. We got stuck right in. Nobody from Rangers gets in touch with you to say you were bang out of order there and you can't come in. What they do do, and this is with all the media, is if you say something that isn't true, yes. and by that what I mean is if you say, you know, this player um, was out on the town doing X and Y and it's bollocks, then they will pull you up. But that that's fair. I don't have a problem with that. You know, don't tell lies and they, they, they don't. Have. So they don't ever ask you to do, you know, certain things. The the press conferences, the Stevie G thing, it's weird, you know, because I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not a journalist. I wouldn't pretend to be a journalist. And he's Stephen Gerrard, on top of being the Rangers manager, which commands respect anyway from us, is, you know, he, he has... He has a presence similar to your good friend Walter Smith. Um, that's something that, uh, uh, yeah, um, that if, if you've ever been in a room with Walter or, or, or Stephen Gerrard, and they're both, you know, they're perfectly pleasant people, but you just have this, they have this underlying air of do not mess with me, Indeed. you know, and, and you just, you know, just not to. And he has that, and he has that ability and that. And, you know, people will say to me about, ah, oh, your, your questions are softball, or you don't, why didn't you ask him about this? And I'm like, yeah, you do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Big Boys, you sit in front of the Rangers manager and say to him, why are you picking Brandon Barker? He's shite, right? Yeah, you do yeah. that. And, and again, maybe I've got a wee bit more sympathy for because for, people do get on about the questions that you ask at Preco and I do get it because they are repetitive and there is a lot of the, the, the same stuff that's mentioned there but you can't you've got one question so you can't do the interview thing of you know you sit down and you build up to something and yeah. you maybe go in different you can't do that all you can do is ask this one static question and a lot of the press are doing it because they're trying to get a line out of them I'm not I just genuinely that's why I always try to talk about football with them because a lot of the questions aren't really about the game. Um, yeah. They're more about yeah, they're more about the kind of soap opera stuff. And I try uh, to to talk about actual football just to be a bit different because otherwise there's no point in me being there. Like people said, why didn't you ask him about you know referees? Um, and it's like well because all the press guys are doing that, so you don't need me to do that. Um, and if I'm there and I'm just doing the same as them, there's really no point me being there. And I try not to do it. But like I say, they've always been very decent with me, very respectful. They've told me not to, you know, lick his face as often. Um, <laughs> and I, I try very hard. But 
I'll be honest, you know, I was I was luckiest guy in the world. I was at the Old Firm game um, on on January the second. Yeah, and afterwards, that was the first time that Rangers had done a a, a play. Usually, up to that point, the manager would come to the the side of the park, and you'd go down and do you know, and the, the, the press guys gather around him and you ask a question each and then he goes away again. But that was the first day Rangers had put it back into the press office and they did like a kind of random draw of media people to get in and I was one of them and I was fortunate enough to be in there. Now I'm sitting there and Rangers have just won one nothing against Celtic, right, to put as an absolute pole position to win the league for the first time in 10 years. Yes. And I need to a ask a question, and b that question can't be shut right Love you. <laughs> and it's not as easy as it looks, right? I'm it's not. That's all you want to do. You just want to run up and hug him and go, yes, well done, that was magic. You know? Thank you, thank uh, you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, exactly. I love you. I love you. I love you. And, and you. you, you you, you do, and and it's very difficult to sit there and go, so, Stephen, can you tell us about your tactics for this? <laughs> yeah. It's hard, because I just, you know, I'm on the phone with my dad before I go in there, and we're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. we're going to win it, and you've got to go in and, and beat Vic Cam. But guys, he is a very, as I say, purposeful character. He does have a yeah. huge presence. He's a guy that... You know, even if uh, even if you'd never watched the game of football, you'd notice Stephen Gerrard when he walked into a room. Um, yeah. He has that about him, and uh, and as I say, the way Graham Sooners does, the way Walter Smith certainly does. And again, it's just about trying to, you know, ask things that I I want to know. That's that's basically yeah. it. It's like you know, if I've been talking to to my pals and they've said, "I wonder why we do this," I'll go, "Well, that's that's a good one," and I'll ask. But there are, you know, if I ask Steve, people ask you about, do the club tell you not to ask it? And it, no, they don't. But there's some things you know, just not to. If I sit and ask Stephen Gerrard a, a, a deeply technical question about his tactics, he's going to laugh at me because mm. I, you know, he, he, he's he's gonna. Who the hell is this guy asking me about this? So yeah. you have to balance the, the human nature of it as well, and. Yeah, there are times that I probably ask something that doesn't come out right. It maybe sounded great in my head, and it's maybe not ideal. But again, I do listen when people say to me, "You know, could you ask him this? Or could you ask him that?" But sometimes people get offended. Like a guy said, "Can you ask him why we don't shoot from outside the box more?" And I'm like, "No, not really." <laughs> like, well, why not? Are you scared to ask him? And I'm like, "Because if I ask him that, he's going to a look at me like I'm stupid, and then b he's going to say." You think we don't try to shoot from outside the box? Yeah. And I'm going to and I'm going to stammer and say, well, we, you know, maybe we should do it more often. And he'll say, we've scored X amount of goals this season. Do you know think is that no good enough? Can you know see what we're trying to do? Do you honestly think I tell my players not to? Because he's a human <coughs> being, and I, and yeah. that is maybe what people um, when they hear and they think, oh, Edgar asking a, a softball question there. Um, that that's a big part of it is just you 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 do have to be aware that on a human level what people will and won't won't answer to and and I think that again I'm very conscious I've never you know, never worked in professional football I'm not a coach uh, I I don't pretend to to know it in as depth of level so for me it's just you know more just fan questions and that's what I try to put to them. 
Well, that's that's exactly right. I remember you and I chatted after the first interview that you did, and I, I think I had I'd put on the text, uh, here's my synopsis of uh, <laughs> the, the press conference. Alfredo Morelos, Alfredo Morelos, Alfredo Morelos, Alfredo Morelos, Alfredo Morelos, Alfredo Morelos. And there was about a dozen Alfredo Morelos, and then you asked them, you know, what, what preparations have been done for the, the weekend's game or something football-related, and then it was Alfredo Morelos, Alfredo Morelos, and it was just incredible. To, to hear that and, and then, you know, have your eyes opened a wee bit to the bizarre factions and fashions that seem to go with the press conference. Oh, yes. You know, depending on the... the Christ, Gary, Christ knows, what the, you know, Christ knows what the Scottish press are going to do when Alfredo Morelos moves because oh, oh. they're going to be lost. They, they, you know, I've seen the manager asked about him when he's no played, you know, in a post-match press conference that Alfie hasn't been in the squad. Um yeah. And that be the question, and you can see him going. That's your, you know, we've just beat this team four 0 We've scored some lovely goals. Do you know why yeah. I talk about that? Yeah. And again, that's you know they're after different things to me. So for me, I do very consciously try, and that might mean you know that that people get annoyed because they think, well, you know, this is the key issue that I'm interested. That's the other thing is people want you to ask what they want you to ask, and it's like yeah. you know. The only way you're ever going to be satisfied with what I ask is if you send me the questions. Um, but yeah. for me, I'll always try and like be respectful of it. Like if there's a press conference ahead of a game, I try and ask about the game. If there's a press conference after a match, I try and ask about the match that's just happened. And yeah. I just think that there's a kind of bit of that's just respect, really, because I don't think that's the time, you know, to ask them about something totally unconnected and people will disagree with that and that's cool but you have the traditional press there and, and they'll do that so you don't really need me to do it you, you yeah. know i think i should do something that wouldn't get asked otherwise no exactly and it and it's and not just because we're, we're mates and I, and I love hearing it all but it's a breath of fresh air you can just feel a culture shift within the the maturity and savviness of the questions on the back of that sort of stuff and, and I've, I've seen a modification just in these last you know three or four months as it started to bed in a wee bit so so good for you for doing that sort of stuff so on a, on a narsa perspective you played a very significant role in you know bringing the convention to those who couldn't attend with the work that you did for us back in in 2018 here in, in calgary for the narsa convention how did you enjoy that experience Oh, it was amazing. Um, it was just a fantastic trip because, as I say, you know, I, I, to be asked, it was I was very honoured to be asked in the first place, and I'd, I'd I'd never been. I'd always meant to go, um, especially you know in my wilder days because I heard you lot can drink, and <laughs> I, I, I think I think having seen one now, I would have fitted in. Um, but I, 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 to to be asked was one thing, but I wanted to, yeah, as you say, you know, to to you know give something back that was useful um, mm. and therefore you know I did a lot of you know as we were there we did videos and live stuff as well just so people in Scotland could feel connected to it but also maybe if they were thinking about taking a trip to an arse yeah. one year you know don't leave it too long the way I did that that was what I wanted to say as well and, and if any in the last two years has taught is it's don't put it off because you never know you know exactly. you, you, you never know and I've learned that a lot through the last couple of years is if you get the opportunity to do something you want to do 
then do that. And I wanted to show people what it was. And it's it's just so much fun. You're surrounded by these amazing loyal bells. And, you know, there's events that are magic. You're in a really cool place, especially if you're, you're I mean, it's your hometown. But for me, it was a really amazing yeah. cool place. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and you get to see things you've never seen. You know, I went up the, the tower and, uh, you know, gazed at the side of that. Is, something that's sealed in my memory just an amazing experience and then just getting to meet really cool people that are now friends like you know like you and and andy and then you know david and all the other guys and and it's it's just that and to we talk a lot about the the rangers family and we talk a lot about the international aspect of that of the club etc etc well this is that in action you know exactly. this, this is a actually this, this this is a part of it. This is you standing there, taking over a wee, you know, corner in North America or Canada in that instance, and being surrounded by by you know teddy bears and and the you know there's RSC badges and tops everywhere, and you know there's a sing song and and you really feel there's something powerful in that. Some yeah. in the same way that you know there's a power in going to a game and being where your friends are. There's a power about being thousands of miles from Ibrox. And being surrounded by like-minded bears, and of course, because people travel for it, not just you know from from here, but all over the US, and they're all meeting up. And and it sounds like cliche, but I, you know, I went there, and five days later, I left with loads of new pals that I'm still in touch with years later. And I remember after we beat Celtic for the first time, um, in uh, 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 the first last year, sorry, we beat Celtic at Parkhead. For the first time, yeah, in God knows how long, right? It was a big day, and I know the season panned out badly further on in, but it was it was a breakthrough for us, and I think we've taken it on into this season. You exactly. know, going there and beating them so easily the last time we went to Parkhead. So, I my phone was lit up with me, and I was talking away to you, to Andy, and to you know guys in Canada and guys in North America, Brian in, in California, and then guys I met when I was over at Orsa, you know, and, and guys in Australia, and, you, and I'm chatting away to them, and that just elevates it to a level that I'd never experienced before. You know, it was it was just thinking, wow, you know, this result is 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 all around the world. You know, that this yeah. joy that 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 we're all a part of, and it makes you more aware. I think, you know, obviously we're all aware of how special the club is, but I think sometimes we, we play down the, how important that fan aspect of it is, you know, that the being a supporter and, and having the Rangers family around you. The only thing that kept Rangers a big club at times in the last 10 years was us, you know, exactly. the supporters. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter if, if you're a supporter who lives in Cortland Road or a supporter that lives up a mountain in Nepal, we're all connected and we're all part of it. And I yeah. think if you get the opportunity to go to a NASA convention and to, to feel yourself a part of that and, and to meet up with loads of people and to, to experience that, I think that that tells you, 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 you it, it'll just, it'll make your love for the club even deeper than it already is. Uh, you know, on top of that, you get a holiday, and yeah. you get, you know, you know, if, if you like it, if you like a drink, then trust me, 
um, that you'll be well served. But but uh, and it's fun, you know. All of this stuff I'm speaking about from a spiritual point of view, it's fun, right? You know, yeah. there's the, the the absent friends uh, football match. There's the the golf day. There's the you know the the year I was there, Stuart Robertson was there, so you got to do a Q and A with him, and that's interesting. Yeah. You know, you yeah. get to hear more for your club. Ex players telling these amazing stories, and all of this combines. You get to do sightseeing and stuff. So, so you will have fun. I mean, you could go to it even if you weren't a massive Rangers fan or a massive mm. football fan. You'd still have fun. You'd still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but if you are a Rangers fan, you'll have the time of your life. Oh, I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. And that's not purely from an advert perspective. It's I'd <laughs> mentioned to somebody just a wee while back that um, the, the Vegas convention in 2010, I described to a pal of mine here in Calgary as the best weekend of my life. And, and for the reasons that you mentioned there, you know, just being on holiday, being away with people you know, you like, making new friendships, getting to stand next to legends, getting to to really feel and see the the camaraderie and community that goes with being a Rangers fan. It just, it all packaged into this glow, utter glow that lasted, even I'm talking about it here now, you know, coming up for 11 mm -hmm. years later. And it was just, and, and every, every convention is good, you know, and, and, but that one just, it made it was a, it was one of those step back wow moments to go, man oh man I get to do this and it was just mm -hmm. it, was, it was brilliant. Oh it was man, so it, it, honestly, it's like Disneyland for Rangers growing up. Um, yeah. you know because it's all lights and colours and events and and and, t and I don't drink and I had a wheel of a time so it's not even that you you know you need to go and and you know get if that's your thing why you're in you know but yeah. if you do want to go and. Uh, you know that some of the trip we went sightseeing when we were there and i mean good god almighty the place is amazing you know it's just it's incredible you we don't have sites like that in cohen right I mean, <laughs> you know very few mountains and yeah. it, it was it was it was just getting to do all of that and i you know, came back just totally as you say high as a kite for for weeks and weeks and weeks and and i think that that having that experience is like i say you know don't i i I wouldn't deny myself it now. And I had done for years, I, I, oh, I'll go to NASA one day. You know that way, I, I, oh, I will, I will next year. And yeah. next year never came round. And then, you know, the, the last couple of years have shown, you know, just, just go and do it. Just if you, if you can, I mean, and totally understand that it, it maybe it won't be this year, but if you find yourself in the position where you go, actually, I can. And the next one now, unfortunately, is 18 months away. Yeah, that's you know circumstances beyond everybody's control. But you know, I would you know for me, it's it's well, there's something to look forward to. Whenever I'm feeling a bit low, it's just okay. You know, well, in eighteen months' time, we'll be in a there will be a, a big room in Vegas rocking to the sounds of some traditional songs, right? Exactly. And it's gonna be amazing. And yeah. that kind of keeps you. It just it's it's a nice wee thing to go right. Okay, you know, get just push through the day and yeah, better days will be ahead. Definitely, it's always it's always good to have something to look forward to. You mentioned briefly earlier, um, the the Orsa stuff as well, and you did Orsa in 2019 after on the back of the 2018 convention. Not to put you on the spot, and I would never ask you to pick a favourite, but what was your favourite between the two of them? <laughs> what I'll say is is that um, Australia and New Zealand are very far away. I don't think I had realised that because um, people tell you things like I it's you know it, it's 24 hour flight and you're like ah, you know 
your brain can't take that. And I don't think, what I will say is, is that see, having done Orsa, where my trip home from hotel room to my house took 38 hours. See, having done that, and, and I, this is true, see any journey now under 10 hours is a breeze for me. And I've yeah. done a few trips since then to, you know, like London, uh, even you know, I went up north for the Ross County game and, you know, guys, I don't drive. So yeah, I was, yeah. uh, you know, taking public transport and it took about six hours. It was a breeze. Yeah. Yeah. but like with the, the, the old drugs, you say, oh, it's a Jakey sentence. That's that's what it was. It was there. Uh, <laughs> <just didn't know. laughs> and uh, so, so uh, NASA is like, uh, look, they're very similar because you've got these, you know, you've, you've got just expat bears and, I think something that I really wanted to get across at both, um, and it was at NASA that I learned this, is that over here, I think sometimes um, that there can maybe be a wee bit of, like when the club do something for NASA, there's maybe a wee bit of jealousy, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and you know, look, again, human nature, and well, why are we not getting that, you know, we are, and I'm like, because you don't, <laughs> We get other things over here. We get to go, you know, normally. We are close. Yeah. That's a wee extra thing that the club can do for these people who are flying the flag for us thousands of miles from home, expanding, you know, making future generations, spreading the word. It's just a wee extra thing that you that the club can do. And I think that it it helps anybody who maybe has felt like that reappraise that feeling. And maybe realise actually these guys sacrifice a shitload to be the the level of bear that they are. You know, getting up in the middle of the night to watch a game, yeah. meeting up because you know it's easy these days to just sit and say, "Oh, what will do is I'll watch it." Now. You know, if I'm getting yeah. up my bed early, I'll just watch it on on our TV. But people who go, "No, we're not doing that," because then we'll lose our sense of community. If what we're going to do is we're all going to meet up. I don't care if it's six a.m. in the morning. Yeah. We're all going to meet up and we're going to we're going to spend this day together. And I found that so inspirational. I really did. And, and I came back and I actually took a lot of the ideas that I got from NASA and put them into the, you know, heart and hand and stuff. And and I, that for me was a brilliant, a brilliant experience to be able to, to just understand that because it is easy when you're you know over here to go ah oh, why is Stuart Robertson going over to their convention he, he doesn't he come to my supporters club and it's like well no but you know we we have other things you know you over here we have regular RSE meetings etc well yeah and it is it's just once you've experienced that you would never ask that again you would always yeah. come home and say no no I, I get that and in fact you would you know you push for the club to send a wee bit more. Like, yeah, if we did yeah. have a convention this year, guys, I would be pushing for them to send a league title. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> so, for those that don't know, on the, on the topic of the conventions, you were slated to be and confirmed to be our MC for uh, San Francisco in Arsa 2020, which was cancelled. And then we extended the invite again to Bramalee 2021, which was also cancelled. I don't know if I'm tempting fate here, and I'm kind of to ask, but should we try this again for NASA 2022 in Las Vegas? If, if it gets cancelled, then you never need to talk to me again, no, because then <laughs> I'm officially a jinx. But let's go in third time, third time lucky, third, third time's a charm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, look, it's going to be amazing. I, I got married um, for the 
with the second. And so far, final. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to point that out. Uh, I got married in Vegas, so um, it's a special city for me anyway. And again, just if anybody's weathering about, uh, will I go, will I book up? Um, it is 18 months. We should be through this by then. Uh, all the reports, you know, even the worst case scenarios I've seen have said that we'll be through it by then. And if you can't have a good time in Vegas, you know, well, you know what it is. If, <laughs> if you can't can have a good time in Vegas, that's the type of person that's going to be on their deathbed saying, you know what? I spent too much time laughing. I spent way too yeah. much time laughing and enjoying myself <laughs> and enjoying my friends and my family. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> it. If you, you know, you will have a good time on top of everything else that's going to happen. And then, yeah. as I say, you, you'll experience the stuff. I mean, you can hear me and Gary talking about it. We're no, you know, we're, we're you know, middle-aged Scottish men. We don't sound enthusiastic about stuff unless it's genuine. We can't, eh? we're no good at taking it. And I think that, you know, you can hear the the sort of excitement in our voices just talking about something that's going to be 18 months away. And it, and it will be absolutely so much fun the venue's amazing the place that it's been held amazing our club is in the position who knows what you know next season will bring but our club is it's rangers again isn't it it feels like a club again yes and i i can't think of a better way to celebrate it than to to be there among thousands of like-minded people in the sunshine uh, let, let's all take a copter to the Grand Canyon and have the biggest bouncy uh, and recorded history in the middle of the Grand Canyon. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> and just to make it a wee bit more appealing, you know, we're actually, I'm just going to shave two months off of David's timeline there. We're, we're just a shade over 16 months to go. So it's, uh, it's Get a saving. Bit closer. Get saving. Exactly, exactly. So also, in, in Vegas, if you gamble, they'll, they'll give you your drink for free. Exactly, so, yeah. You've already packed that in, haven't you? You've already packed that in. No, 100% of my spending money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do a quick fire round here before we do the wrap up, David. And uh, as quick as you can, what famous person have you met that you wish you hadn't? Oh, <laughs> um, oh God, that's a, a, a oh Robbie Coltrane. Oh, Hagrid. Mm, very unpleasant man. Oh dear, I'll need to try and uh, find out a wee bit more about that. Do you know what? I've got Leo. Leo's off school today, and he's staring at me right now because he's a big Harry Potter fan. <laughs> so well, that was what it. That well, that was what did it. Is uh, I saw him one time, uh, and uh, it was a couple of kids ran up to him and were going Hagrid, Hagrid, and he was like, but well, I can't say the words he told them, but yeah. they weren't, they weren't very nice words. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, mate! You know, if if you're going to star and take the money for being in a children's film, you might have to expect that children think you are the character. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was a bit offside. Oh dear. So I think you maybe answered this a wee bit earlier um, in, the, in the conversation that we had today, but knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Brace yourself. Uh, <laughs> I think we It's good. It'll be all right in the end, but it's going to get wild for a bit. Now, I think just, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth because you're meant to listen twice yeah. as much as you talk and I think that would have been a good lesson for him. 
Nice one. So I know you're a big a big music fan. So Boys Own or One Direction? I'd need to say Boys Own because I don't honestly think I've ever heard a One Direction song. And my the only Boys Own one I can think of right enough is the uh, uh, the 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 Osmond Brothers cover version. cover. Um, yeah. And that really is it. That's more the Osmond brothers who deserve the credit for that. Actually, funny you're saying that. See the other night, Crazy Horses by the Osmonds came on. What a great song that is. I'd absolutely <laughs> forgotten what an amazing tune that is. But uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd probably need to say, need to say Boys Zone. Plus, a member of Boys Zone's been playing centre half of Celtic this year, and, and that's been funny. Even better. Yeah, 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 exactly. Even better. Well, I know that. Uh, my niece Chloe and Leo will be a wee bit disappointed you never picked One Direction, but we can move on. What do you think of people with tattoos? <laughs> I know you've got tattoos, and you know I don't have any tattoos. So I think that this is a, I think this is an elaborate landmine that's been placed <laughs> in front of me, Gary. Um, what I will say is, is that it looks as though I'm about to join the ranks of the, the oh. tattoo people because uh, I, I promised that if, if Stephen Gerrard won a league title. For you Rangers, did? I would get I would get fifty five tattooed on my, my person, so I'm going to stick to that, and hopefully that tattoo will be getting arranged uh, ASAP. Shortly, yeah, for sure, absolutely, great stuff. Last one on the quick fire round. If you could change your name to anything, what would it be? Uh, uh, I'd like. I see. I don't. I don't think I'm cool enough to carry a. A fantastically cool name, you know, like uh, Sebastian Rickenbacker or something like that. I don't, I don't think I'd, I've got the personality for that. So, probably like Stuart was a cool name. I'd probably Stuart Edgar. I, I, I'd take that. Nice, great stuff. So, just in wrapping up here, David, the the podcast has been going for, as we'd mentioned there, you know, the majority of the the Baron spell or the mantelpiece <laughs> for the club, and we're now. Definitely on the way out of that, not not um, where we need to be by any manner of means, but certainly on a more solid footing. When we when we win the fifty fifth title here, hopefully next month, how if at all do you think that changes your focus for heart and hand and the media work that you're doing going forward? I think that you know, for, from our point of view, that as a support, it will calm us down a wee bit because I think that we're all on edge and have been and that's just because we've had so many disappointments that it's impossible not to you know you just you walk around kind of as if you're in the wall at a free kick don't you covering your your bits because you're, yeah. you're fearing the next kick there so i think as a support we'll calm down a wee bit on heart and hand it probably means that we will be able to start looking at the period you spoke about because we've never really we always felt it was too raw you know yeah. Um, and I always thought that once we've got that title back and we hear the Champions League music at Ibrox again, that'll be the time. So it'll have that effect. In the media, and you're seeing it already with the way that, that you know, the, the opposition are being collapsing and the fact that, you know, Celtic will have a new chief executive, there's going to be a huge change in the Scottish media. There is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because what has been the case, and to be fair to them, much as, you know, none of us like them they built that for themselves you know they yeah. did put themselves in a position where they had the media on the end of a string and that will change um over the next few years and rangers can assert themselves again in a proper position because they can dismiss you 
when you're losing and you complain about things, I think, because they can just say, oh, it's sour grapes. Yeah. But when we are back where we belong, Scotland's premier club, they won't be able to do that. And I think you will start to see a few people that have been basically inserted into certain people's backsides. I think you'll see them run for cover a wee bit when when it breaks down. And I think, you know, over and above what Rangers have done this season, I think you would need to be blind not to see that they are breaking down that all the things that they've had it too easy for too long and they, they, they can't handle it now. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that now. Yeah, bad winners and bad losers. It would appear. Yes. Yeah. So how can we find you, any of our listeners? How can they get a hold of you? Um, if you go to our website, heartandhand.co.uk, if you want to sign up uh, to listen to the, the, the content, then go to patreon.com forward slash heartandhand. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at ibroxrocks. So that's the, the way I'm on there. Most days it's just me that runs the account. So it's me you're, you're chatting to. And if you like pictures of dogs, um, that's... That's a good account to follow because I'm partial to sharing. As you know, Gary, I'm partial yeah. to sending you photos of my mutts and saying, hey, look, 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 they did something cute, which yeah. I know gets annoying, but, you know, I don't care. That's your jam. I love it. That, uh, that's, my, that's my babies. <laughs> yeah. David, I cannot thank you enough, my friend, for being on the show today. Hopefully this won't be the last time we get you on. So until next time, take care. Thanks again and all the very, very best. Thanks, Gary. Pleasure to talk to you. And, and as I say, hello to everybody at the, the Calgary RSC. Hopefully, uh, it'll only be the 16 month and, and we'll all meet up again. Perfect. Bang on. Cheers. <laughs>